This is the My Michelle Live podcast. Weekend Review, a look back at the week and forward to the weekend. Music, movies, goodies, and more. It's My Michelle Live Weekend Review. Here's Michelle. Welcome to My Michelle Live's Weekend Review, where we're going to look at the week that took place, some of the news stories that happened, and get you plugged into some entertainment to take you right into the weekend. Let's look back at the week in review with the guy who puts the razzle-dazzle in news. It's the Riz Report. Let's review the week. The Riz Report with Adam Rizzieri. Adam Rizzieri. Hey, my friend. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> Happy ha- Friday. Happy Got my blue on. weekend. Yeah, right? <clears throat> Happy Blue Friday. He's blue awesome. Friday, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be in Seattle to kind of get that inside joke. Even though Adam isn't, he, he maybe you identify as a, as a Seattleite. I don't know. Well, sometimes I identify as a Seattle. uh, Yeah, you know, sometimes I identify as a dolphin. It kind of depends on the day, you know. (laughs) You know, there you go. So looking back at the news, let's get to some of the big international news stories that happened this week. Um, This is uh, coming out of the defense world where the U.S. has ordered airstrikes in Syria. I have a bit of a soundbite on that. Police, where a U.S. military attack sends an unmistakable message to Iran, the overnight airstrikes targeted Iranian-backed militia members in eastern Syria near the Iraq border. The- so, uh, big news there. Uh, not not very long in office, and already we are going in. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it was April of 2017 that Jen Psaki tweeted basically a question asking, what legal authority do we have to wage airstrikes? You know, she was recognizing that Assad is a brutal dictator. Uh, but Syria is a sovereign country. And so really the only difference now in 2021 is a change of, of president, right? Now, Trump, when he did it, not okay. But now that Biden's in there, we're firing some Sockies at Syria. And I'm just going to call missiles Sockies from now on. And uh, we, we Sockied Syria. And I'm really kind of wondering why. And apparently it was, you know, obviously an act of retaliation for an attack that took place Uh, on U.S. assets really close to the Iraq and Syria border. But, you know, there's this there's this question of at what point do we engage in military conflicts? And when we're going to anger really our international adversaries being Russia and and, and Iran, you know, let's let's recognize that Syria is is an ally of these of these nations. Right. They're not exactly our friends. So at what point are we going to kind of look back in the really in our in our in our rearview mirror and say, oh, my gosh, we are now in a military conflict. Uh, We're in a war that we really don't want to be in. You know, it's it's I think a a big concern that really with the last administration, we made a very strong effort to disengage from foreign conflicts that literally resulted in the loss of thousands of American lives. And how how odd is that? Because uh, Trump was billed as a warmongering, dangerous president. And yet during his administration, we had relative peace. We heard almost nothing. You remember that old phrase, the old the, the old enemy of ISIS and the Taliban? Did you really hear any mention of ISIS or the Taliban in the last maybe two, two and a half years? 
No, I mean, nothing. And, and I think it's because, well, honestly, conservative presidents get kind of a bad rap for being hawks. But the reality is, is historically speaking, more often than not, it's a democratic president that brings us towards a military conflict. And the very early days of the Trump administration, yeah, we had really so a little bit of conflict with Syria. That was his first big airstrike was was actually against uh, a series of, of targets in Syria. But it was a very isolated event and there was a purpose behind it and it was to get rid of ISIS. Uh, around that same period of time, tensions could not have been higher with North Korea. You know, we remember President Trump calling North Korea's leader Little Rocket Man. So we were literally coming off the Obama administration, potentially looking at nuclear warfare with a very, very hostile nation uh, being North Korea. So the, the efforts that were taken very early on were efforts towards peace. And sometimes you have to sort of puff your chest out and act tough to get the other guy to back down. And so a lot of the rhetoric that came from the president around that same period of time was designed specifically to put on a strong front and, and really to show, hey, you know what, we are the United States, you need to back down or else. You know, you know the, the idea of nuclear warfare is, is really, really scary. And, you know, Michelle, we also just this week saw three dozen Democratic legislators ask President Biden to relinquish his power to make nuclear decisions. They're talking about taking away the nukes from Biden. Yeah, right. Okay. So my my question is, why are what, what do they know about Joe Biden that we don't know that all of a sudden they're going, oh, okay, wait a minute, maybe it shouldn't be in his hands. I mean, do you remember this sound? I'm gonna play the soundbite. Do you remember Robin Williams coming down on Joe Biden a few years ago? Did you hear this? Take a listen. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. She's got to find it again. Uh, give me just a second. There you go. Come on, come on. Oh, she can't find it. That's okay. We'll get to it. It's so funny. Gotta love Robin Williams. We still have comedy, though. Oh we gosh. still have great comedy <laughs> out there. There's always rambling Joe Biden. Joe says <laughs> that even people with Tourette's go, no. <laughs> no. What is going on? Joe is like her uncle who's got a new drug and hasn't got the dosage right. I'm proud to work with Barack America. He's not a superhero, you idiot. Come here. When FDR was on television, there was no TV back then. Come here, Joe. <laughs> Sit down. Oh, my gosh. You know, and <clears throat> what I like about our conversations is, look, we're, we're Just not inviting here. disaster. Oops, sorry about that. We, um... We're not here, you and I, Adam, to uh, champion one side or the other. We're kind of equal opportunity offenders to a degree, <laughs> which is what the media really should be. Um, and that's why it was uh, it was hilarious to me back in Barack Obama's era when he was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize when he hadn't done anything. They just said, well, you're a good guy. Let's just give it to you. you know. And when recently Trump was nominated for a peace prize, it was laughed away like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And yet we have had, rel I mean, when you look at it, what's scary to me is, does that mean that we've all been a little brainwashed? Like, have we been a little manipulated? Can we not really see clearly? And it really bothers me on a personal level because some of that I've bought into. 
Brainwash? Nah, no way. You wait. Are you are you trying to say that the media might try to lead us down a, a specific decision path to maybe not think for ourselves? Well, what no. was I thinking? Never mind. Never mind. That I was mean... silly. That was silly of me. <laughs> but hey, but that's a real thought. I mean, is the media really being used as a propaganda machine for those in power? And if so, who are the ones in power that big media is listening to? I think that's a real concern. Uh, to to think that um, you know ultimately what. Trump's decisions might have been during his tenure um, were decisions that were anything other than putting America first and really kind of creating more of a peaceful and prosperous environment for all of us. The data just doesn't support anything more than that. You know, so it's very interesting now that Pelosi and the Democrats, they never tried to take the nukes from Trump. But like you like you asked, Mm -hmm. what do they know that we don't know? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Like we... I don't know, but but I really feel like we need to know. I mean, this is a guy who was just elected president of the United States, and it's February. It's February. Like, it just started, right? So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We need to be asking some serious questions here. And and they're not questions that can just be circled back on. You know, Jen Psaki, she needs to give us some real answers about what's going on. Because if we're kind of looking at now decision-making, especially decision-making as sensitive as this, uh, the question of, nuke it or don't nuke it. I mean, if we have an oligarchy that is easily influenced by special interests and and certain uh, agendas that we don't really know much about, that's a huge problem. Uh, We we elect a president for a reason. And part of the title is commander in chief. So if we just elected a guy that can't make a, a, a wise decision on how to respect the responsibilities that come with nuclear powers, guys, we got to have a different president ASAP, you know, and, and, and whether, whether that's, you know, God bless America, but whether that's Kamala Harris or, or the next person, we have to have a president that is qualified to make that decision for all of us. Um, because there is a theory that's called mutually assured destruction and mutually assured destruction is why we are alive today. Frankly, it's a theory that got us through the cold war. And it's a political science concept that basically says, if you nuke me before your nuke lands on my territory, I'm going to nuke you. And then we're both going to be dead. And so we, we have mutually the theory of mutually assured destruction as a thing that has kept us safe from hostile nuclear powers. So if we're now going to give that power to an oligarchy or a collection of individuals that maybe their decision-making process is slow or maybe it's not really adequate or there's a lack of integrity behind it, we really kind of dis, uh, we kind of handicap ourselves in a way that we really shouldn't be. Uh, our live stream was a little slow getting up, so if you're just joining us, we are in the midst of our Riz report, and we're looking at some of the news that made news this week. Now, we were talking a bit about uh, airstrike on Syria and how there may be media bias in, <laughs> out there. Uh, Adam and I are kind of sitting in the middle, kind of going, okay, wait, what's fair here should be fair here, kind of like equal opportunity offenders. But the big <laughs> news story is that uh, uh, there's at least 30 Democrats who are saying, you know, um, President Biden really needs to not be the only person with authority to launch nuclear weapons. And you're going, okay, they didn't, as you pointed out, Adam, they didn't even mention that during Trump's administration. What the heck do they know about Joe Biden that that we don't know? Um, And that's that's really just to get you caught up. It's it's a little bit 
unsettling, uh, just just I guess to say the least. And of course, I hearkened back. I'm going to just play it one more time because I love Robin Williams. I hearkened back to this sound. We still have comedy, though. We still have great comedy out there. There's always rambling Joe Biden. Joe says that even people with Tourette's go, no, no. What is going on? Joe is like your uncle who's on a new drug and hasn't got the dosage right. I'm proud to work with Barack America. He's not a superhero, you idiot. Come here. When FDR was on television, there was no TV back then. Come here, Joe. <laughs> Sit down. Now, that's not to say that he's not a good guy. A lot of people uh, uh, voted for him because he's a good Just guy. Just inviting disaster. But, but really, <laughs> no, I really am. I have a, right. a problem like, with my you know, sound. My wife I and swear I watch to football. goodness. I swear to goodness. <laughs> Me and my soundboard. At any rate, <laughs> as we look at what's happening in the news, Adam, and we see some of the the bias there, it can get to a dangerous point. I mean, there's a point where we go, oh, come on, and we laugh at it. But when it gets to the point where we're being manipulated by propaganda, that's when it gets really scary. And I wanted to talk about some of the media bias that we're seeing, the double standard, which is dangerous. There's been reports that some news services have uh, let go or pulled back their fact checkers since Biden came in office, because why would we want to, you know, check facts? <laughs> nah, nah. It, it's it's like the circle back soundboard, right? It's, it'll 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 come. It'll get to us, <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah, but it's 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 really really concerning to see how the media bias is influencing the discussions that we're talking about. I mean, let's look back to when Justice Kavanaugh was being confirmed. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some allegations that were serious allegations, but there was you know there's not always a fire behind the smoke that we're seeing, right? Sometimes it's just not quite there. Um, right now we're talking about sexual allegations that are very serious in respect of Governor Cuomo. Okay, I have a soundbite on that. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who is already facing criticism for part of his response to the pandemic, faces new trouble this morning over detailed allegations of inappropriate behavior in the workplace. The latest accusations come from former aide Lindsey Boyan, who wrote, Andrew Cuomo abused his power as governor to sexually harass me just as he had done with so many other women. So that comes from CBS This Morning, which was nice, but I did have to search a little bit for that news story. It's nice that they said something, right? I mean, because there has been deafening silence from the mainstream media, ABC, MSNBC, and and naturally CNN. I mean, it's it's like uh, the guy's brother works at one of these outlets. I don't know. I mean, it's right. I mean, so this is really kind of concerning, though, because here we have a serious allegation from a professional, Lindsay Boylan, a former aide to Governor Cuomo. Her claims are extremely serious. She's talking about uh, discussions of, of playing strip poker from Governor Cuomo. The guy even made a lewd reference, allegedly, um, a lewd reference kind of talking back to Bill Clinton's use of cigars, which was extremely controversial, uh, inappropriate touching, very, very uncomfortable advances, including a kiss on the lips. So that is not how you act in the workplace. That is not how you expect somebody in a position of authority to, to ever treat you. And so here we have a staffer who is presumably working her way with integrity to the top of, of, of her ability or to the best of her ability. And now she's making these allegations because frankly, it's the right thing to do when that kind of thing is happening. But the media is just is trying to wash over it. You know, um, 
leading up to COVID, or I guess in the middle of COVID when it was at its worst, there was more activity like this. You know, there was uh, CNN's show Cuomo Primetime, led by Chris Cuomo. At the same time that we had nursing home patients and New York's elderly dying because of decisions made by Cuomo, we've got two brothers, Andrew and Chris, on CNN on almost a weekly and nightly basis, being really chummy, talking about who who mom loves more, and and this and that, you know, and so just to kind of see how the media has brothers lost. instead of news right there. <laughs> exactly. And so why isn't the media covering the extremely concerning death of, of loved ones of people that are fathers and, you know, grandparents and mothers. And why aren't we talking about this disproportionate loss of life coming from America's uh, seniors? You know, these people are, are national treasures just for the, the, the history that they retain and the experiences that they've led to get us to where America is here in 2021. So, why aren't we concerned about protecting them? Why are we talking about whom mom loves more? Um, and it's because the media wants to paint a picture and they want to kind of gloss over the fact that the way New York handled the, the entire COVID pandemic was much worse than what we saw in states like Florida and Texas and other leaders that were able to actually protect their populations. If we you know, really cared, a pandemic. right, that's true. But if we really cared, we kind of weigh all of this and say, okay, how does this work? How did this not work? What can we do moving forward since we're in uncharted territory? So you really look for the media to do their job. And that's why a week ago, I, I sat on this for a week to kind of see where this would go. And it was yeah. something that to me was one of the oddest biases in reporting. And it came, um, it, it, it came and it went relatively untalked about. But imagine for a moment, take Joe Biden's uh, voice out and put Trump in and imagine what it would have looked like in the news. Part portion is a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use, know how to get online. <laughs> Smack my head. Now, there, there may be some truth to older people not knowing how or if you've not used the internet. Okay. But that has nothing to do with being Hispanic or black. Um, you know, you could have, you could be a older white guy in poverty and still not know how to use the internet or you know but if for one moment trump would have said that it would have been everywhere and everyone would become unglued he is a racist why isn't joe biden a racist and, and you know this is not the only questionable thing he said concerning race i mean i'm hispanic i've been able to figure out the internet thank you very much maybe i'm the exception I don't think so. You know, I, I know some incredible web developers that come from Latin countries or are just Latin Americans. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to say something like that. And it's just one example of many. I mean, can you imagine eulogizing one of the top leaders of the KKK and, and being celebrated for it? It's It's shocking to me. Biden did that. You know, Biden did that. And so I, I don't know. I, I never saw Trump do anything like that. I, I never saw him... In, in company with people that were known terrible racists. Never saw that. Not um, I have, no, no, actually. No, and, and, and not even before his time uh, in office. You know, I've seen him with, 
you know what? He was actually at Chelsea Clinton's wedding. I've seen him exist in a very cordial way with folks on the left and the right, folks of different uh, ethnicities, religious backgrounds, and sexual orientations. Now, we're not, but, seriously, we're not here trying to champion Trump. We're to here really trying to say, find some balance, people, and be honest. Because even uh, when you research some of the accusations of, well, Trump said this, you look at it in context within four minutes of of something that we've taken and played the soundbite to death on you're looking at and going oh actually he was kind of saying the opposite i have been duped by that at times listening to it that and going oh my gosh really come on just like listening to biden there and then listening in, in, into in context you get a bit a better picture well now, Joe just biden to add did, to that michelle go ahead go ahead well, just to just to add to that let's just look back to the the emmy awards right so the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences awarded Governor Cuomo with an Emmy Award for a series of <clears throat> it was 111 TV appearances, his daily briefings to discuss kind of what was going on with COVID. What's the latest, you know, what should, what we should be looking out for. He was using his platform to really get past what was actually happening in the nursing homes, um, but then also to improve his position, his national platform. The guy was kind of eyeballing discussions of, well, maybe I run for president at some point in the future. Uh, he was using his platform to build his name and then also to sell a book. So, you know, how is it that we give a guy like that an Emmy Award, which is now being discussed? Like, there, I guess people are saying, hey, you know what? That was probably inappropriate. We should probably not award him the Emmy. There's some stuff going down that we got to talk about. Um, you know, so, but at the same Thank time, God for those thinking people. Thank <laughs> but then God. we can, <laughs> but then we can splice a soundbite from Trump and cut the context out of it to make it sound really bad. I mean, you could do that to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely can. Um, and I'm sorry, most of Hollywood is not all that bright and certainly no brighter than the general population. There are some real, uh, maybe even left wing, left thinking people who are brilliant. I think if you listen to Ben Affleck, he actually has a brain. Uh, it's, 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 it, I would love to discuss things with him, you know? I, I think oh, he has Sign me up for Alan Dershowitz. I love come that on, guy. Come on, you know, you know but. But as a whole, we have this class of people that tell you what to think, and we know so much more because we can pretend like we're smart uh, when we have a script in front of us. This is, this is where we're at. We have allowed this to happen because we've become fat and lazy in our prosperity. Um, and then we're looking at people like Cuomo who get a free pass that may be running for office. You know who else is running for office? Uh, or there's rumors in 2024, Candace Owens, and there's been a resurgent of Trump. You know what? 2024 is going to be very interesting. We've got CPAC going on right now. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I think we're going to hear some forward-looking statements. And whether, I think Candace Owens, she's a very bright individual who, you know, Michelle, we're not sitting here trying to talk up Trump. We don't have to do that. He was already president one time and he's got a lot of other people that love him. We're just sitting here trying to speak truth. And Candace Owens is someone who does that. She could be a great voice for people, but you know what? Let's talk about, all right. He, he, I don't know if Herschel Walker listens to your show or not, but I really like what I hear from Herschel Walker. He's another influential figure who speaks truth. And I'd be, I'd be curious to see what his thoughts might be on a future run for office. Um, he's got, a really, really logical head on his shoulders. And um, 2024 is not that far away, but it's far enough away to where people who are not thinking about running right now 
Maybe next month they're thinking about it. Okay, he might. Uh, I, I, was, I now uh, nominate Adam. I think Adam Rizzieri would be. A- <laughs> <laughs> you, know. you know, never, never say never. You know, I mean, I was actually um, back in college. I was a uh, class president. Hey, okay. You know? Well, you've got the you've got more experience than some. And <laughs> I was a two-term as- senator as well. You know, who knows, Come right? On. I I, I ensured that the campus that I went to that we had uh, we improved lighting to improve campus safety. That's a, you know I, I I care about the community and safety. <laughs> Sign me up. There you go. You know, honestly, I just sometimes I wish they would just pick people just from everyday America and just say, hey, you just do 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 a little term here, because I I just think an everyday American could do so much better than than a career politicians. Um, Right. We really need term limits. Right. I I don't want to diss Joe. I mean, sometimes Joe. Biden, you know, he, he puts his foot in his mouth. He, he does what I think are stupid things. But uh, when it comes down to is he's been in office uh, probably as long as you and I have been alive. And half a century. We haven't seen. 40, I think 47 years, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. So. 47 or so years. And you're exactly yeah. right. I mean, you know, give me half a century in office. I'm sure I could do at least one thing or two <laughs> um, at least. But, you know, what I what I do think back to, though, are honestly some unforgivable things the way he treated justice thomas during his confirmation hearings was just shameful um we we have seen joe biden be a politician you know middle of the road joe joe right now he's so far from that he's not even trying to to work with the right he's just not and so you know, and, and to be honest, the right's not trying to work with the left either. I mean, get mm-hmm. over yourselves. This is not yeah. how we run a country. The right and left actually need each other. Not the extreme whack jobs, you know, kind of stuff. But, you know, right-leaning, left-leaning, we need each other to balance out things, to get good ideas. We are. We think that everything is settled and we have a, a be-all, know-all uh, ownership of the truth but that's just not the way it is we really need to work together it's not it's There's... not happening and and you see it with the free speech issue i wanted to get to some of those in our final oh, yeah. uh, minutes together a uh, free speech is under attack uh, the white house is um looking at changing a lot of phrases that you can use there are words like you can no longer say breastfeeding or breast milk it has to be chest milk right um and coca-cola there was a whistleblower that brought this to a national attention come on oh my goodness are you serious so basically like if okay so the coca-cola thing is crazy to me i just personally, I know a lot of people that work at Coca-Cola that are truly not racist people. They're truly fantastic people. The diversity training that Coca-Cola staff was basically given access to is so far from being, quote, anti-racist. Basically, this this diversity training, it was a LinkedIn slide share that was uh, offered as uh, exposure to anti-racist training. And I say that with, with quotes. Um, some of the text inside this training program, it starts off, and, and I'll just say it, it's, it's talking about being, quote, less white. Now, first of all, let me just stop with that first sentence. Quote, be less white. That should really be be less racist, okay? So in this training program, they basically created a, a, a bunch of content and replaced the word racist with the word white. The danger there is you can replace the word white with 
anything, Hispanic, black, Asian, be less of that, be less of this. Now, in this particular be less program, Christian. be less Muslim. Be less, yeah. And, and to be less I wish white, we could by the be way, less stupid. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I think this is the new KKK. It's it's the kind, caring Karens that have this white savior complex. And what that really is saying is that you stupid black people are enabled. Uh, you have an inability to take care of yourself, but we're going to come in and we're going to help you. This comes from a mindset. I'm going to see if I can play a, a sound bite of this. Take a listen. Well, we'll see if we can get that. Aha. Illiterate on the topic of race. Be white is to see oneself as a unique, special individual. And every moment that I spend in white space, I am being deeply reinforced. I think white people should remove that phrase from their vocabulary. I'm not racist. It's not convincing to black people. Okay, now what do I do? And that question has bothered me for I don't think white people really want to know what to do unless it's just keep being friendly. It's a little bit arrogant for folks who have never in their life thought deeply about this. Say not focusing on race is what keeps us divided. The challenge I want to offer my fellow white people, how have I been shaped by the forces of racism? That's from the creation. She wrote a book on this white, you know, whiteness thing. What is it that that a white woman has to come in and say, yeah, you know what? This is how black people feel. And this is what black. Well, who made her the spokesperson for uh, what a third of America? <laughs> and who made her the ambassador of white people, by the way? I mean, Thank she literally you. says Thank that you. research shows that by the age of three to four, children understand that it is better to be white. I guarantee you, when I was personally three and four, that was so far from my mind. Well, and I'm going to guarantee uh, you, when I was three, four, or in elementary school, in an all-white school, I was one of only two Hispanics and two Hispanic families in our community. I didn't even know the difference. I yeah. didn't even know that I, there was anything different about me. And I actually grew up with a, a sense of, I'm just fine. <laughs> so... Sure. What's you're just a person, right? Yeah. You're just a person. Now, this just training basically, the, the idea of be less racist, right? Be less oppressive, be less arrogant, be less certain, be less defensive, be less ignorant, be more humble, listen, break with apathy. Those are this great ideas, say, though. Those are great right. ideas for all Americans. The problem, though, is that they lead up to this with saying to be less white, you be all these things. Now, okay. that's that's where it's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. uh, th the message should be to be less racist, be these things. Because let's just Don't get to the real issue, Adam. And that's that there is not scientifically. And once again, you know, we we cherry pick what we want to look at scientifically. Science shows us that there is no division in race. There is one race, the human race. And right. if we have hate and if we dislike someone, it's a human condition. Sometimes it has to do with the color of your skin. Sometimes it has to do with you just being a jerk and I don't like you. Sometimes it has a whole lot to do, but it's a human condition. It's a human right. race issue. You want to have a, a seminar and learn us on how we can be better people that's great but let's not break it down to race because that makes it what uh what's the phrase racism 
Let me learn you real fast, Michelle. Let me learn you real fast how this works. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely racism. You know, I think the, the thing that makes our country great truly is tolerance for diversity and tolerance and appreciation for differences. Yeah. You know, being exposed to different cultures, religions is what makes life awesome. And, and it makes it interesting. You know, can you imagine if everything was just literally the same? I mean, shoot, I, I, I think it's great to have diversity. And yeah. it's interesting, though, businesses are having such a hard time truly grasping what diversity and inclusion should mean, yeah. because the way they're doing it is they're doing the exact opposite of what they should be doing. No, because people be end up feeling resentment. You feel resentment if you're a white male, especially in America. And I have to tell you, I'm a woman. I'm a woman of color. And it is not doing anything for people of color when you say, yeah, everybody hates you because, and you can hate others because, well, they hated you first. And it's not racism when you, and it's impossible for, no, it's eating you alive. It is a human condition of hate and it eats you alive um yeah don't play into it don't buy into I, it be better and i will i will just kind of throw one more thing out there so you know i i own a small digital agency and you know i think the thing that makes america great is competition and competitiveness so we see big companies trying to make these mandates around diversity and inclusion but they're they're doing it the wrong way I have a very diverse company and my diverse company has people from different cultures, backgrounds, and religions. That is a competitive advantage for us. There is an economic incentive to having a diverse business and it's diverse thought. It's diverse problem solving. We come up with more creative solutions faster. We come up with better solutions faster because we do value diversity and inclusion. And I guarantee you, we're not doing it by teaching Robin D'Angelo. Okay. We're doing it with go. our actions. There you we're go. We're doing it with and, actions. Yeah. And something we were talking about is some of the uh, the Equity Act, for example, um, and how that's going to affect sports. Um, I asked the question in our sports timeout broadcast, if the U.S. women's national team, which rocks, I mean, they're awesome. They're going to be bringing home uh, the championship there with the She Believes uh, tournament. I, you, I just know it, right? I mean goal differential, their play, it's excellent, right? But how many of those women would make a, a U.S. national team if we took the male and female out? Because that's really what we're leading to. Because what if you don't identify as male or female? Where's my team? If What if you, you know, so really it should just be a national team. If there really is no difference, then let's just make it all one and stop dividing people. You bring up a strong question. You know, I've been a huge fan of, frankly, women's soccer uh, for a long time now. When I was in high school, the women's team at my high school, uh, they just happened to win state, like back to back to back to back. They were incredible. And so I've been a big fan of women's athletics for as long as I've, well, I guess it's been as, as long as I've been alive, right? Um, watching them do what they do is fantastic because it's just fun to watch. It's fun. And it's fun We're to, brutal. It, we're brutal. Yeah. It's fun to see, you know, your, your ladies do their thing. You know, it's like uh, we're going to crush it on the field and then we're going to, you know, hang out afterwards and do whatever. But to see kind of like this this um, rejection of, uh, well, let me ask you this, a rejection or a confusion between biological sex and gender, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So biological sex, male, female, you're born with certain uh, hardware, <laughs> right? Uh, but then gender, it's how you identify. And so now we have the Equality Act, which passed, by the way, for the second time, 
first time it passed was in 2019. Likely won't pass the Senate, but if it were to pass the Senate, it's actually going to um, infringe on religious liberties. The Equality Act is already kind of doing something that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Fair Housing Acts already do when it comes to protecting the LGBTQ community. Now, the, the trouble here is we're seeing the language of the existing Equality Act actually secularize religious entities. So, you know, with public institutions, you're going to have uh, conflict and issues when it comes to a biological male who identifies as a trans female or a trans woman, I should say, using or, or trans girl, by the way, using the locker room at their middle school or high school or college. So you're going to now have trans women with different hardware in a private locker room with biological women with different hardware. And if there, there isn't a be... difference, if there isn't a difference, why aren't we seeing uh, people who were assigned, uh, is this how I say it? Uh, they were assigned female at birth, but then decide to be male later. Why don't we see them on sports teams? It's a great question. Why, why don't we see them I on think sports teams? There, I, I think there's a few women, a very few, who might be able to make the grade, but we just don't really see it wide scale. We wouldn't see it wide think, scale, and it's a, it's, it's a, a front. It, it, is, it is a front. I, I think that there's a lot of honest discussions that need to take place around the Equality Act. I think that we're going to see... You put it well. You put it well, gender versus identity you know you can uh, right. you biological right. hardware biological sex and versus gender, right? gender that's how you put it yeah i think that that it's one thing if you want to say look if you have these identity issues we can talk about that we can talk about that but this is what your hardware is you, right now boom. it's already illegal to discriminate based on that in the workplace and for mm -hmm. housing this the problem with the equality act is that it is not truly an Equality Act. It truly does uh, infringe on liberties that we already act. have through the Constitution. Exactly right. It's a preference, it's preference act. And so to secularize religious entities, religious organizations now have to act like they are Starbucks or any big retailer or any any business with a common public facility, right? You got a problem there too. Also, let's talk about hospitals, right? You have hospitals that are affiliated with the church those hospitals under the Equality Act would have to perform medical procedures that are counter to religious ideology. You're gonna have religious hospitals performing gender reassignment surgeries. That's gonna be a big issue and it is yeah. and that's a why total it's not overstep going, of religious it, it freedom. It just can't. I mean, I, I think that we have <clears throat> enough uh, balance on the Supreme Court that even if it were to pass the Senate, it's just not going to go. I, there's a problem there. But well, uh, Michelle, know, let me ask you this though. Yeah, we have sanctuary cities, right? We have sanctuary cities. Yes. Are we going to have sanctuary cities for Second Amendment rights? You know what? You're not taking my guns. Are we going to have sanctuary <laughs> cities now for religious freedom as well? Like you're not going to infringe on my religious rights. I live in this city. What's, yeah, what's I don't see happen? that happening. I don't see anyone <laughs> allowing that to happen. And I'll just I'll end this part of uh, the conversation with this on my end. Uh, I was watching a television commercial last night for an HIV medication, and it said uh, this may not be good for those who are assigned female 
at birth. If there really isn't a difference, then why are you saying that, you know, women shouldn't take it? There is a difference. You know, we know that with Ambien, where I had a friend who was on a cruise ship uh, back in the day. She took Ambien and Dramamine. She found herself outside of her cruise ship door, butt naked and uh, talking to invisible people, you know, and it it has that effect on women. Women have had uh, fatalities and driving because Ambien works differently with a bio, with a, our bio, biology. There is a difference. And if we don't recognize it, we put people in danger. It sounds like you're talking about science. Oh, oops. My bad. <laughs> Finally, uh, since we're going to be talking entertainment in just a couple of minutes with um, Adam Holtz, I wanted to take on an entertainment story that you sent me. I didn't even know about this. Lady, this is breaking news, everyone. Stop the presses. Everything else that we've talked about is nothing compared to this. Lady Gaga's dogs are missing. You know what? They are missing. Now, Lady Gaga, I definitely have some. uh, Yeah, I have some. some, I I would like to have some conversations with her about certain issues, but she. I'd love love to talk to her about her talent. (laughs) She is crazy talented. Those pipes are incredible. You know, they are incredible. Brilliant. Now, this is a thing, though. Although some of her songs are kind of goofy, I think she's better than. But that's just personal. She's amazing. Well, actually, I went to high school with a guy who was in her poker face music video. Okay. (laughs) Way back. But so here's the thing with Gaga, right? Now, I'm a dog lover. Dogs are amazing. They add so much value to our lives. Uh, I've got pugs myself. I have a rescue terrier. Actually, one of my pugs came from a pit bull rescue. Gaga, she's got these three, or she has these three beautiful French bulldogs. And this is a thing that's kind of been increasing. But basically, since the pandemic started, there has been a shortage in supply of French bulldogs on the market. So a lot of people in America love the French bulldog breed. It's the fourth most popular dog in the United States. In Hollywood this week, her dog walker was basically walking her three French bulldogs at night in a very affluent part of Hollywood. And then all of a sudden, a white sedan rolls up, two guys jump out with a gun, and they start fighting with her dog walker to try and steal her dogs. And so this guy is walking three dogs, and it's, he's been her dog walker now for a, a long period of time. He actually moved to L.A. from New York with Gaga. These guys basically shot her dog walker stole two of her French bulldogs. One of them took off and the dog walker thankfully is now in stable condition at the hospital. The guy was shot in the chest. Now French bulldogs sell most often for three to $5,000. It's not a cheap dog. The thing is, is the, the, the increase in instances of dog theft have gone up dramatically because especially with a French bulldog, you can steal a 28 pound dog or two and you could sell that dog for about two grand or so pretty easily and pretty quickly. So Gaga is now offering a $500,000 reward for the safe return of her dogs. No questions asked. They've actually got the uh, LAPD homicide unit um, working on the case. The FBI actually was working on the case as well because Gaga performed at Biden's inauguration. And so I think we're all just hoping for a safe return of her two adorable little French bulldogs. The third one that got away was returned safely. Um, Gaga's in Rome right now filming a movie. So she's been kind of watching this from a distance. But, um, you know, guys, if you have dogs that you love, make sure that you are careful about how you um, how you treat your dogs. Obviously, don't walk them at night unless you have um, somebody with you or it's a, a well-lit, supervised environment, a lot of people around. 
Uh, dog can theft is on the rise right now. Can I make a suggestion? If you have a rescue mutt, nobody really wants to steal them. And I got to tell you, they're the best dogs on the planet. Best dogs I have ever ever had are the dogs who maybe even the older dogs you know over seven years in age they understand they've been through it they're grateful they're they come trained oftentimes and they are amazing yeah they're they're probably a mix of god knows what and people aren't going to be as interested in walking off with your dogs but you're going to have a rewarding life and you're going to save an animal so i very much so you know and and there you go there, you, you know, know, I literally, my terrier literally showed up off the streets in Dallas and uh, he was, the vet said he was about a week away from dying and we nursed him back to health over about a year. Um, and now he's a great dog. Our, our pug from the Pitbull Rescue in Houston, she was a very anxious dog, but honestly, dogs have different characteristics and personalities. When you get to know a dog, uh, they are I mean, you cannot replace that kind of friendship. It's incredible. There you go. There you go. Adam Rizieri is our man for our Riz reports, and you can catch him here. And of course, uh, your business, uh, your chief marketing officer at Agency Partner Interactive, and we'll have a link as well where you are listening to this broadcast. We'll catch you next week, Adam. Thank you. Have a great weekend. It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live, entertainment review. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. Oh, yes, here is Michelle. Thank you, big voice guy. As we look at our weekend review, we get you entertained as well. Everything you need for the weekend, we pack into this podcast. And on top of everything, after the show today, you will be officially plugged in. I'm pretty cool. Plugging you into the movies, this is Adam Holm. And now we're on video, and so he can't cringe when I play this. The man no, who I never can't. has a bad hair day, Adam Holmes. I'm having a bad hair life, but it's actually, it's actually a beautiful thing. I shaved my head in 1996 and I haven't been to a barber since. And, and I've been thinking about it until COVID hit and then it didn't really matter anymore. Right. That no, it, who cares? I mean, honestly, <laughs> we're, we're all well, on Adam, video. We all look 10 pounds fatter on video. <laughs> That's all right. So here we are. And we all probably are because of lockdown. So there you go as well. Uh, We get you plugged into the movies and so much more. In fact, uh, Adam represents PluggedIn.com. They do movies. They do television shows. They review YouTube channels, music, video games, and books. Pretty Mm -hmm. much pop culture all on one site. And the focus is something that you don't get out there. You can get people's opinions and you can, you know, hear, and, and Adam, we, we talk opinion at times. Well, I have no shortage of opinions. You will get that. <laughs> but you go deeper and you let folks know for their families what to expect. Uh, you don't tell them what to think. You, you give them Which the tools to. to think and decide for their families. And I love it. We've been doing this for some time. And today... We're going to talk more of the movies. Uh, There's some TV shows as well to connect with Mm -hmm. and much more. And I just want to say WandaVision is getting really interesting. Oh, my word. Loving WandaVision. So crazy. 
each episode. I'm like, what are they going to do now? And I'm not going to spoil last week's, but I think uh, minds were blown last week again on this show. They just, they keep, yeah, insert meme here, that one with the guy's head, you know, doing that. That <laughs> explodes. No, it's fantastic. And it's, I, right. I also love from a plugged in perspective that they really haven't pushed the boundaries content wise. I mean, you've got a smattering of profanity and, you know, an occasional slightly off color joke, but not even much of that really. So as yeah. superhero show, show uh, it's a good one. You could mostly watch it with your kids. It's gotten a little bit creepier here and there, but, but still um, relatively clean by a uh, 2021 TV standards. Indeed. Uh, the Okay, so WandaVision, for, for some people, seriously, they watched the first episode, and then the second episode went, okay, this is really stupid. If I wanted to watch a black and white sitcom, I'd look at old uh, I Love Lucy's, you know, right. thank you, or Father Knows Best. Thank you very Big much. Big or something like that. What the heck? But... Yeah. But you, if you engage in WandaVision, you have to realize that it, you're going to see things that you're not going to realize you're seeing. There's a deeper story, and they take you deeper each episode. It's imaginative. And for those who are engaged with the Marvel Universe, there are tie-ins from other movies and other shows. There's yeah. a tie-in uh, that will take place, from what I understand, with uh, the Winter Soldier and Falcon. So yeah. that movie will be coming out. Uh, that was made first, actually. So there is a kind of a logical crossover that many fans might understand or, or get. But here yeah. is what is good to me. They do that. Without losing the audience who hasn't marveled or been in, entrenched in the Marvel universe. Yeah, and honestly, Elizabeth Olsen is just a revelation. Now, I say that having seen a bunch of films she's been in, I've never seen her in a bad role. She she just has one of those faces that she does stuff with. Oh, like weird. a serial killer, but she does yeah. stuff with her face that, that really. I mean she's remarkable and she pulls it off like there are a lot of actresses that couldn't pull off what what she is doing as wanda maximoff and and paul bettany's great too but half the time he's in you know red makeup on his face so it's not it's not quite in the same territory in terms of what Maybe, he but is i doing. think he is a classic actor uh, he to me yeah. has always been a very very classic actor in the classic regard meaning that it's not just about a pretty face and i'm not judging his face but he uh <laughs> is he, he <coughs> excuse me i don't know if it is it, if he is indeed but he seems like a classically trained actor where yeah. it's all about the acting you see that a lot in british actors and and that's kind yeah. of a bummer that they're always shipped over here and taking the lead roles and it's because that's where they put the emphasis can i just stop right here and say benedict cumberbatch uh you know he is not the poster boy for uh can i say the word hotness uh but he but you adore him he's got that voice right i the mean voice yeah. He's his voice. It's, you just want to listen. He could read the phone book if anybody still had a phone book. Uh, it would be great. 
<laughs> yeah, that ages us right there. Boom. Thank you very much. I know, right? What's a phone book? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Phone book. Phone book. <laughs> you know, people used to have little black books too. So millennials look that up. There you go. Know, We're right? not gonna I'm not gonna divulge what that is. All right. So I let's talk for a moment some other television shows. You and I obviously a uh, couple of woohoos, woohoos for WandaVision. Uh wow. Yes. If you haven't seen it, I think your family will enjoy it. Uh, and uh, there's other TV shows. I'm looking at the plugged in page right now. One thing mm -hmm. I was hoping we could talk about is Young Rock. Yeah. Young Rock is a show uh, that is exactly uh, what you would think it is. It's like, is that about The Rock? Yes, it is about The Rock when he was young. Uh, and it's sort of a... Uh, you know, an imaginative looking back at his life. Uh, the series is set in 2032. Rock is running for president. And we sort of get this flashback to, you know, what he might have been like as a kid. And this is uh, a pretty typical um, network sitcom in that you're going to get some language. You're going to get, you know, a slightly dirty joke here or there. It's it's, it's not terrible. It's not great from a content perspective. Um, it's just sort it, of right in the middle. It is. And, and if you like The Rock, you might find it some of it charming. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think I mean, that's I, the draw. I, I didn't hate it, but I went in going, what, what's the real purpose of this? Well, you know, if, if your name is on the, the marketing materials, quote, I didn't hate it. <laughs> It's what's the phrase damning with faint praise, you know, it sort of feels like of all the sitcoms made this year, this is one of them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, The Rock is a is a good guy. He's a, yeah. a, a charming guy. The uh, watching stories, whether true or not, uh, about his growing up, uh, some of them are funny and uh, it's in, it can be endearing. Uh, so if you're a Rock fan, you might like it. But yeah. You know, it's I if it if I didn't watch it again, I I think I would go on with my life and maybe even succeed. You would probably be okay. So uh, <laughs> as long as we're talking about TV now, if you're a hardcore fan, you've already watched it. But if you somehow missed it, when calls the heart season eight started last weekend. Okay. Okay. And, uh, yeah. We, you know uh, actually. We don't have a review up, but it's coming. So if you're wondering what we think about it, hold your breath and it will come. But uh, this is a story that is uh, produced by Michael Landon Jr. And it actually feels in some ways, in a really broad way, not too far removed from Little House on the Prairie. It's about a Canadian town, uh, I think early 20th century, late 19th century, early 20th century, because they have cars. Uh, and it's just, you know, kind of a throwback period piece drama of the relationships between all of these people in this little town of Hope Valley. Uh, I think it's in British Columbia in the, in the show. Um, and if you want something nice with characters that you like, like we started the show, there's one main character. And I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. It's either Aaron Krakow or Krakow. Do you know how her last name is produced? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, she's like the main character and she's one of the producers and writers. It's it's kind of her show. 
and she's in love with two guys and one is sort of mm, scoundrelish maybe we're not quite sure what his deal is and the other's a, a rocky mounted rocky mountain whatever they are they're where are the red coats the mountain a mountie he's a mountie yes yeah and yeah. we're literally when they're in relationship with each other we're cheering for the mountie and we're booing the other guy i mean it's like Watching when calls the heart with my my daughters and my wife is like a full contact sport. <laughs> so if if you have watched it before and you didn't know it was coming back, it's back, and it's just as delightful as the previous seven seasons, which we have completely binged in the last year or so. <laughs> there you go, right? And and you know I've I've watched the past. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, in the first few seasons uh obviously elizabeth has a child she was married before to uh, another mountie named jack yes when he decided to exit the show i just thought oh that's sad i don't watch this for sad i'm not watching it anymore so i took a hiatus right. i'm ready to go back it really is a charming well, family show it's, if you it's miss really great. I, I know that Little House on the Prairie is now canceled. Um, and I'm sure you know that, right? I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. And the Waltons is also canceled. Oh, it, my gosh. My favorite. And what, why was the Waltons canceled again? Well, I mean, back it, it was canceled, what, 40 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why was the Waltons canceled again? I don't know. You know. I don't know. We could speculate. Probably the, they have a strong faith element. That's the only only thing I, I can see. You know, there's no yeah. races. I know that uh, the, the hard thing is understanding that when you look at period pieces, now we're making period pieces like Bridgerton. Uh, right. Strong sexual content, by the way. But Bridgerton. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Uh, and other uh, period pieces that we're remaking like Hamilton and, and making it multicultural. And while right. I think there's a place for that, you lose the historical content. Right. No, and that's when exactly you're, when right. It's hey. not in context, you lose the ability to learn from the mistakes right. made. Little House on the Prairie, for example, was made, uh, it was written by Laurel yep. Ingalls Wilder about three years after slavery was abolished so you get a yeah. wonderful look at what it looked like to transition and how there were some people that looked as pe at people as people and others who were still backwards i i just i don't get it but you won't have any of that conflict in wind calls the heart so no you won't you've just got snowflakes wonderful story that you don't have to worry is this thing going to go off the rails in ways that I'm reaching for the remote to mute it or to change the channel? So charming. So charming. And, and there aren't very many shows on today that you can really say that about. Even, even stuff that's on network TV, I mean, where we have gotten to is there's an expectation of a certain amount of profanity, of crudity. And on some of the dramas, you get a lot of violence. And, and it's even amazing what they can get away with in terms of sexual content. You may not have... Yeah, nudity, but you certainly know what's going on. That's for sure. Yeah, there's some things that are just a have become a social given um, yeah. <laughs> that if you are interested in someone, you sleep with them. Uh, if you work with someone, you you you'll probably end up sleeping with them. If you you know, it's just like what uh, one of the things that's actually on plugged in that you review in TV is nine eleven. Um, yeah. And I find that of all the 
emergency shows. I find it yeah. really well done, and their their stories are interesting. Their calls are unusual, and in that, it's fun to watch. You care about the characters, uh, but you always wonder why is everyone why does everyone you know inbred sleeping with each other all the time? You know that well, that you doesn't know, necessarily happen in real life. Yeah, and you you also have to say to yourself, self. I have worked a lot of places. There were never this many stunningly beautiful people <laughs> at the places that I have ever worked, let alone the fire department. You know? <laughs> well, you know, you're obviously in the wrong line of work and everybody right. who works with you right now is going great. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Yeah, you know, well, you know, maybe half of them are stunning, but there's the other half that are anchoring. You know, I told one of my coworkers the other day, I said, we need to do a podcast and we can call it the middle-aged white bald guy podcast. <laughs> Cancel. You got to play the hand you got to play the hand you're dealt. Why why just avoid the reality here? Oh, you're a, you're a charmer right there. Oh, so we talked a bit of television, maybe it's time yeah. to delve into some movies. Yes. And you know, you and I when we talk Michelle, Usually I talk from the perspective of reviews that we have already published because as a movie review outlet, we typically get stuff early. This is a weird week in that our two biggest movies this week are Tom and Jerry and Bigfoot Family, which I know, you know, right after Star Wars comes Tom and Jerry. People are waiting with bated breath. Yes. Yet been able to screen those. The studios have not gotten us screeners ahead of time, which is usually a tell that these are not going to be Oscar caliber films. So right. those reviews up by sometime later this weekend. But one of the other things I wanted to talk about each year at Plugged In, we do what we call our Plugged In, excuse me, Plugged In Music Awards. No, Plugged In Movie Awards. We don't do music yeah. awards. And we pick nominees in four different categories, best children's film, uh, best films for teens, for adults, and best Christian movies. And here's how the process works. We put the nominations on our blog and those went up this week. Um, they are all there and we invite people to vote. And in a couple of weeks, we will do a vote as a team. We're actually filming it. It'll be on our Plugged In Show podcast so you can see our deliberations. So we'll have a plugged in pick for each one of those categories. Uh, and then later on, we'll announce the reader's pick as well. And so we just like taking a look back over the year and saying, what were some of the best things that came out that families with children of different ages might want to engage in. So that is all up on our blog right now. And we can talk as much about that as you feel like. Yeah, I'm interested in some of the big picks that uh, we can look at. It, it, it makes it fun for the audience as you're listening to watch these films and weigh in you know what yeah, absolutely think? so that's that's yeah. part of the the whole fun of it um make your picks and and i'd like to hear from that you too so you can find us at mymichellelive.com uh, where we'll also have links of course as always to adam holtz because well he's pretty cool and um, well i am pretty cool it, years tell my friends from high school because <laughs> You know, it only took me 40 years after graduating to get there, but whatever. <laughs> no, I'm not better much. So let's talk about some of the of the picks yeah. for, for from some of these categories. Yeah. You know, let's start out with best movies for kids. Um, the five movies that we picked this year in our best movies for kids. You know what? My computer is wigging out. Give me just a second. 
No worries. We're just no, I, live. It's, it's got, okay. It's got one of those little the the little track things with the the ball on it in the middle of the keyboard. And I've used it so much it's worn through. It's now just a sharp little stick and it doesn't work very well. Anyway, that, that's a lot of information about the laptop that I'm working on. So our <laughs> best movies for kids this year are Black Beauty, which uh, I didn't know this until we did this version. Uh, we reviewed this version. The book came out in 1877. And I think there have been four or five different movie iterations. What? Iterations. Wow. Uh, story that has been around a long time uh, and yeah. has uh, come at it again. And uh, it's a great story about a girl and a horse. So Crude's the new classic. age. Yeah, no, it really is a classic. And, and I think, honestly, how can you go too wrong with a beautiful horse? That's what I always say. <laughs> and and this <laughs> last thing here, they would say, Dad, is... you have never actually said that. And I would say, yeah, but I'm going to start saying it from now on. <laughs> This last iteration, uh, incarnation, whatever you'd like to call it, is pretty charming as well. Pretty cool, uh, beautifully done, uh, heartwarming, uh, just a really good watch. Uh, yeah. And uh, can I just be honest, when you see something remade and remade and then remade and then, oh, it's been a year and a half or two years and then remade no, Spider-Man, I don't know, whatever, I... you're like, okay, I've seen this but this yeah. is actually worth a see. It is. Uh, it's, a, it's a lovely story. Uh, and I think there are people who like horse movies and people who like dog movies. And if you're a, a horse movie person, I think you'll, you'll enjoy this. And it's one that's really suitable for kids yeah. too. Little Women. There's another one that's remade and remade yes. and remade and remade. And I'll tell you what, this last one, even though it's always a beautiful story and I will always watch it. Um, this last one was just a little uh, preachy, not in a good way. You know, it's it's yeah. women independence. And, you know, it's that's really not in the spirit of the film. But once again, with cancel culture, we have to remake everything in our own image. Do we not? Oh, boy. I mean, I think we could go 90 minutes just talking about the insanity of cancel culture. And I mean, every week, it seems like there are new people who have in some way stepped afoul of, you know, of a very tight orthodoxy on what you can do and what you cannot do. Yeah. And what I mean, we, we talked say. last week about uh, Gina Carano and, and yeah. Disney, and that is one of the saddest things because they essentially proved her point. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately in our day and age where we have the wealth of human knowledge at our fingertips, we still have we I still hear people saying, well, she was comparing Republicans to the Jews during the Holocaust. And I was like, well, you drew that conclusion. What she really said was, right. look, the Nazis didn't wake up one day and say, hey, what do you want to do today? Let's round up the Jews. It was a process right. where people started hating each other, canceling yeah. each other. And is that where we're kind of looking at today? We need to be careful. Now, I want yeah. to bring this back because it's, this is fascinating. It has a lot to do with the topic of entertainment because it's happened before in our country. It was during the McCarthy era and it really right. did affect people in entertainment. Right. No, and, and obviously during that era, it was the Red Scare. And so you had this sort of, I'll use the phrase witch hunt in quotes, 
where there was a suspicion that someone was participating in that political ideology, they were blacklisted. And there are all sorts of layers of ways that we can think about it. But, you know, with the original witch hunts back in Salem, it just became if there was a hint of suspicion, you're done. And there's no conversation. There's no ability to deal with nuance. There's no ability to even acknowledge that, well, what if somebody just has a different perspective? And, and I think that we're seeing something broadly similar now in that if you don't tow a progressive political and, uh, you know, cultural party line, it doesn't take much to end up on the wrong list. No. Uh, and I think we've seen it from a religious perspective. You know, there's yeah. the idea of stay away from even the appearance of evil. Um, right. uh, you know, do not be unevenly yoked. And so we're, we're, it's okay then we justify um, canceling because, well, they're evil. And that's what we're doing right. all through the political spectrum as well. But when there is an element of faith, and I think this is really important, when there's an element of faith, um, Jesus dined with the people that everyone else canceled. Absolutely. We have, and, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Adam. You know, well, that's and, a huge, and I mean, you want to talk about, you want to talk about somebody being canceled. I mean, let's talk about Jesus being canceled. The culture wanted to cancel him uh, because he was, he was a perceived threat to the status quo on many levels. And that's just, that's just one layer. Obviously there's a deeper theological conversation to be had there, but um, the, the Jewish, the ruling Jewish hierarchy wanted him gone because he didn't play by the rules and he didn't say the right thing and he didn't do the right thing. It was the religion of the day yeah, and our religion absolutely. of the day is politics. Uh, yeah. But here's the interesting thing though, uh, even as Jesus hung out with the canceled people, when you're when you really indulge in faith, you see freedom and acceptance because yeah. God accepts you as you are. And you see people who really walk in faith, not religion, but faith, are the very yeah. people who will say, yeah, you think differently. Uh, your morality, maybe moral code may be different than mine. The way that you choose to live, who you love, what you identify as, you know, is different. But you know what? I love you. I love right. you. And I think that's something that effects i know we're talking reviews but let's bring it home adam it when we go too far down this road it really does start to affect even something as simple as what we watch in the theater or on our television screens well yeah because those messages those worldviews and those narratives permeate everything that is happening and and so every time we watch a tv show every time we watch a movie and i try to work with this with my kids it's, you know, we talk a lot about content. It's got X number of sex scenes or profanities. Yeah. Those are really important things. But I think that we've also got to focus on the big picture of, well, what's the worldview? What is this piece of artistic entertainment? And it can be songs or video games or a YouTube channel. Everybody has a perspective and they're communicating something from that perspective. And we need to, to be willing to take the time to actively engage with that and to help our kids engage with it so that we can understand, you know, there's a, 
there's a point of view of you being communicated here. Let's talk about that. Maybe we agree with it. Maybe we like it. Maybe we don't like it. Um, but I think that when we just get sort of ghettoized and it's like, well, these people are okay and this stuff is all terrible, we actually lose the ability to think critically. And, and we need to be training up our children to, to think critically as opposed to just, you know, does this sound bite put them in this camp or this camp? You know, we've short-circuited to think critically in so many ways and, and entertainment plays a role in that. It's time for us to look to our yays and nays, the good, the bad, the ugly, the pick of the week, and the put it in the trash uh, pick of the week. Uh, Would you like to go with the pick of the week first? Let's go with the pick of the week first, and I'm going to let you go first on this one. You got it. So, As I think about my pick of the week. You got to mull it over, pray on it a little bit, do a little yes. meditation. And, yes. Okay. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Take your mo. Uh, so my pick of the week is a kind of a silly one. It's Sonic the Hedgehog. It's now available. It's free for those who uh, have a subscription, you know, so you don't have to pay extra to see Sonic the Hedgehog. And, uh, you know, Maybe it is not Oscar worthy, uh, like we're not expecting Tom and Jerry, but you just you watch the film and it's just in some ways silly. Uh, Jim Carrey's character is a bit over the top. And let me just set the stage. If you don't know what Sonic is, a long time video game made into a movie the big controversy uh wasn't anything content wise it was how did sonic eventually end up looking because his first uh creation was so creepy they had to go back and and remaster it sonic the hedgehog is just it's a kid family movie um in some ways a little over the top but it's fun and it's distracting and it's it's for me it's the kind of movie you put on in a big screen in the backyard invite your neighbors over and just have fun you're not going to be uh you're not going to be indoctrinated into groupthink. you're not good you know you're just going to walk away going okay that was fun i had a fun night my pick of the week. Well, my, my pick of the week uh, is take us back to 2003. Um, and I had to go back that far because it's been a pretty quiet week movie-wise. So I don't have anything new that's out. Uh, but as long as we're talking about Paul Bettany, let's talk about his movie with Russell Crowe, Master and Commander. Uh-huh. Incomparable uh-huh. director, Peter Weir. Uh, and uh, this is, a, as you might have guessed, a movie about a boat and uh, a journey that is taken. Uh, and honestly, I don't think I have seen it since 2003, but the reason, I'm, the reason I'm picking it is that on Netflix and Amazon and all these services, each month there's new stuff that comes and goes. So it's not a new movie, but it's new on Netflix this month. So you should be able to watch that. And it's a terrific drama. And I actually remember I was going through something really, really difficult in my life at that particular moment. I remember sitting in the theater watching Master and Commander in December of 2003, and it was just a terrific escape. Uh, And uh, I think Russell Crowe at the top of his game and Paul Bettany at the top of his game. I mean, two guys with great accents on a ship. What more do you want? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not 
It's not that it's not a family film, but there's not the the it, it is very much a drama. Um, yes. There is some action, um, but it's not necessarily action the kids are, are going to get into. But right. you, you'd have to know your kids in order. And you can right. these old films. You can go to PluggedIn.com and they give you a nice long review. It's so yeah. much more. I've always thought Plugged In was important. I think it's even more important now when most of us are are at home a lot more it gives us a chance to go okay instead of scrolling through netflix and prime and disney and whatever to try to find something and wasting so much time by the end of the time you find something you could have watched a uh, feature film you can go to plugged in and this is what i do adam i go to plugged in and I uh, scroll through some of the old films and go, oh, that might be good. Or, oh, I forgot about that. Or, oh, yeah. Master and Commander. And then it's a little easier that way. Back and, and I want to do a I want to do a bonus pick, which is really like 18 picks. Um, again, come back, come over to our blog and check out our plugged in movie review picks, uh, plugged in um, movie award picks and all of those different categories. We oh. sort of start the kids category and we took a sidetrack and a sidetrack so i'm segueing back briefly i'm not going to read through each of those lists but uh, there's some terrific stuff um that we have picked out from the last year that and it's a year where unlike most years there's a lot of stuff on here that you might have not have seen because theaters haven't been open so uh it's been an unusual last 12 months that's for sure yeah, it has indeed. So a good thing to do. And uh, let's let's spend a little more time next week talking about the categories and the yeah. movies. Uh, now it's time for, yeah, maybe you should stay away from it. You know, I have, unfortunately, this is one of those weeks where I have a long list of stay <laughs> and, and in fact, it's so many that I'm hard pressed to choose just one, but eeny, there, meeny, miny, um, there's a new movie, excuse me, a new TV show on Netflix called Behind Her Eyes. That oh, oh, it is just, that thing is disturbing and no, it's, creepy. It's, and yeah, and I think yeah. actually you mentioned it last week, but it's uh, it's one we have our review up for now. And anything that would blow David Cronenberg's mind is certainly going to blow the rest of our minds and not in a good way. But it's uh, Eve Hewson is in it, Bono's daughter, and it's gotten a lot of buzz and it's very edgy. And sometimes things in our culture, edgy is code for we have gone to new extremes because we're all so desensitized that we're just trying to get your attention. And this this one sort of feels like it's in that neck of the woods. Yeah, you can start with the first. uh, Oh, my goodness. Uh, If you even make it through the first episode um because uh, uh, there's that i don't know there's an intellectual draw to it the real sure. there is to a degree it's it's mysterious and what's really going on here and you want to figure it out so they cleverly do draw you in that's that's well done but the yeah, content it's, it's well is is disturbing and graphic and when you make it to the end it's so depressing so, so depressing that you and wish you never just, indulged the the twist is ooh 
I mean, it's just gross. Yeah, it's, it act- it's gross. You know? It's sad. And and the reason uh, it, it's important is that, you know, not only are you investing your time, but you and I bring this up again and again. And if you're new to this, this Adam, Michelle hangout thing, um, we talk <laughs> about the redemptive quality. And I'm yeah. not just talking on a spiritual level, but when you watch a film, the disturbing matter uh, can sometimes be endured. And I'm not talking over the right. top disturbing, but disturbing matter needs to have some kind of redemptive ending in order to justify it, in order for you to walk away and go, gosh, I feel changed by that. I feel moved yes. by that. I understand that. The world is disturbing, but there yep. is, when you see messages of hope, it, it kind of brings it into context. And that's what I need to be able to watch something disturbing. Uh, yeah. There would have to be some pretty redemptive qualities. Though, to- now, this one is this one is an exercise in disturbing for disturbing sake. You know, you, you just sort of feel like somebody woke up and one morning and said, I'm, I'm going to tell a story and we're going to just keep twisting this thing. And there's and you no don't, there's no feeling good after that. Like there's no, no you, I mean, you really need a, an emotional and mental shower. So I'm kind of with you on that. Another one uh, it's being pushed on prime is coming to America too. Now that's not going to be yeah. out till March 5th, but, uh, the suggestion, obvious suggestion is they're playing Coming to America 1. And that was back in the 80s. Arsenio Hall, Eddie Murphy, you know, big names from the 1980s. <laughs> Sorry, I have to get my Arsenio on. Um, and, uh, and maybe you forget after all these years, or maybe you haven't seen it. Uh, Eddie yeah. Murphy, obviously very funny, but that movie is just, it's just... Um, you know, I'm sorry, there is there's some funniness to it, but it's really highly inappropriate, um, you know, and not even that well done and, and really no. not even that funny. So no, I, I, I got about five minutes in and went, one. oh, come on, come on. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think it brings up a great point as we look back over old movies and you and I have talked about this more than once we just straight up forget what was in those movies and or if you're we, really young it go maybe goes over your head but don't well, think yeah, for mean, a moment that it doesn't affect you no absolutely but even as you think about movies play for your kids and oh hey let's watch this classic from the 80s and you get in and you're like what in the world <laughs> i don't remember this I remember a story from a friend who said that uh, they wanted to watch with uh, her in-laws came over and they saw that the wedding singer was on. They're like, oh, 1980s. That's, you know, because that was her era, her big era. So she's like, oh, let's sit down and watch it. She's watching it with her uh, pastor, father-in-law and mother and going, um... Uh, yeah. I, I don't remember this part. Uh, who picked this movie? The, or Back to the Future. Those three. Oh, Back to the Future. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ghostbusters is drenched with sexual innuendo. Now, it's not graphic. It's not explicit. No. But it's like, oh, that's kind of nasty. Oh, that that was gross. And that's not to say that it's not hilariously funny. No, it's, no, and, it's funny. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be a prude, but, but we can forget. But you watch it with your kids and you forget. Totally. Goonies. I've talked about the Goonies. Man, those little kids use the S word a hundred times. I mean, it's just constant. And I don't. 
And speaking of Goonies, children talking like that. Can we you know? can we end on a, a good note? We talked about yes. this film a few weeks ago, and you have to maybe help me remember it. It's like Goonies, set in yeah. Hawaii, and what what's yes. the name of that? Uh, it's a Hawaiian word for family. Oh, uh, Ohana. Yes, that's it. I was looking for it, but you got there before me. Yes, <laughs> Finding Ohana. So Finding if you watch- Ohana. I love Check the out. film. I love that. It was a lot of yeah. fun. It's it feels very Hawaiian, and yeah. uh, you get the real Hawaii, not the not the tourist Hawaii. You know, you get that that Ohana feel, that feeling of family, yeah. the aloha, and uh, it's like Goonies. Just uh, I think even better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That seems like a good place to. To stick the landing, lest I wander off into some diatribe. Like, <laughs> it's it's but, the redemptive. We, you know, we have diatribes. Uh, we have conversation because this media is so influential. And at Plugged In, we want to help people have the resources they need to make the good decisions for their family. And no two families are the same. It's not one size fits all. But you need to know your kids and be students of them and understand how they're wired and how they interact with story and content. Uh, And we want to be really your first stop in terms of equipping you with the tools that you need to do that well. Uh, And Michelle's gracious enough to have me on her podcast. And we also have a podcast, The Plugged In Show. Uh, So this week on our Plugged In Show podcast, we had a great conversation about the idea it feels so right it can't be wrong so uh you can check that out the plugged in show yeah, and, and adam's never had me on his podcast so i am you know, actually nicer than he is we uh <laughs> we need to rectify that Michelle. <laughs> thank you for that shout out and we will we will reciprocate one way or another soon Oh, Adam, it is always a pleasure, my brother, uh, to have you lead us right into the weekend. And of course, go to PluggedIn.com. You can find links at, at, well, pretty much everywhere you're listening to us right now. I'm pretty cool. Plugging you into the movies. This is Adam Holmes. Thanks for listening to the Week in Review. Next week, we'll be talking more music. You'll hear the Riz Report. Get you plugged in with Adam Holtz and so much more. So we look forward to having you. And in all things, we look for the God story. If you're in search of who God is and what it means to you, well, join us and log on to My Michelle Live. Send me an email. I'm Michelle. Thanks for that. For more fun, go to mymichellelive.com.